0: Welcome to the Heal Ministry Podcast, where we believe that God heals us in the way that brings Him the most glory and draws us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique and God's goodness truly can be found amidst our physical suffering. Welcome to the Heal Ministry Podcast. My name is Tara Bradham-Denai. I told you previously that I was just going to record episodes when people came across my path who I really, really wanted to interview, and so the guest today is one of those people that I am so excited to share with you. Tammy Comer is our guest today, and if you recognize that last name, it might be because she is married to John Mark Comer, who I would consider one of the great Christian thinkers of our time. You might recognize him from some of the books that he's written. I think one of the best, most commonly known ones is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He's also written God Has a Name and Garden City and He recently came out with a book called Practicing the Way, which I will shamelessly plug if it gets him any book sales because I absolutely adore everything that he writes. So he founded Bridgetown Church, which I have called my home for the past two years. And that is how I got to meet Tammy, his beautiful, wonderful wife, who has a story all her own to share. And I respect this woman so much, you guys. I think you are going to love what God has done in her life. And I can't wait for you to hear it. So buckle up. She has shown me so much about God's kindness, about his love, and they have been hard earned gems. One from the affliction and the furnace of suffering. So our conversation actually took a little bit longer than I expected. So what I'm doing is I'm actually splitting this interview into two episodes. So one is published today and then I will publish the next one next week. So you might be on a little bit of a cliffhanger. That's what's going on. But this first part of her story is really about her suffering and the long bout she had with chronic illness and what god taught her in that part of her journey which is what you've grown accustomed to hearing on this podcast and then the second half is about her radical healing from the lord so both are great i want you to listen to both but here's the first part of tammy's story that she has so graciously shared with us enjoy it friends I was just telling you how I first met you pregnant a while ago mm-hmm. and so it has been such a joy getting to know you and your heart truly truly I have mad respect for you mad respect for God and what he's done in your life I mean it's just incredible so I'm thrilled to just have this casual conversation with you today and let other people in on what God has done in your life so thanks for being here Oh, man, it's a privilege. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So some people don't know anything about you. Will you give us just a little snapshot of your life currently? What's going on in your world?
1: Yeah. So I live in California in the mountains, but spent 20 years in Portland, Oregon, married to my husband, John Mark Comer, who led a church in Portland, Oregon. And we did ministry for many years and still do ministry. He leads a nonprofit now. Yeah, just love, love, love Jesus. Raised three kids. Our kids are all teenagers now. So a lot of my time is spent just with my family and trying to help my kids settle here. We just moved here a few months ago. So just, yeah, reorienting our whole lives in this season. It's a lot, but it's fun.
0: There's so much in that sentence. But people, I would just say, we can be praying for you and big transitions, (laughs) right? Yes. Okay, so you're on this podcast, which we talk about all the different ways that God heals us, specifically talking about physical suffering, and you have had quite a bit of that in your Mm -hmm. life. I know your story is very multifaceted, but going into that today, Mm -hmm. will you tell us a little bit of when your physical suffering started and or maybe when it got worse Mm -hmm. after your first child, I think? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your physical journey. Yeah,
1: so I, well, basically, so when I was five, actually, I was bit by a tick. And when I was 11, I was hospitalized and diagnosed with Lyme disease. And then I just kind of was seen better all my teenage years, never really thought much about it after that. But after the birth of my first son, who's 18 now, started having just bouts of chronic illness, which... At the time, like when it first happened, we just thought, I thought, man, this must just be like early, like motherhood, like just mom exhaustion and stuff. But it became pretty, like over time, increasingly clear that it was much more than that. And um, those bouts of kind of flare ups, I would almost say, like of chronic illness looked quality of life inhibiting, kind of like. They just were, they were challenging, but they weren't life threatening. They felt really, they were hard, but I, I mean, I really love my life a lot. And I think a lot of how I, um, I went to a lot of doctors. I ended up with like a diagnosed with chronic Lyme or post Lyme polymeuropathy and a digestive disorder, some different things that just were more like kind of like they thought maybe Lyme had made a resurgence. It depended on what kind of doctor I was seeing, but that it had done some damage to my nervous system most likely. When I was a kid, because it was undiagnosed for six years, we didn't know that like Lyme undiagnosed could wreak havoc on your system, depending on what it did. And then having a baby apparently re-kind of intensified it. Mm-hmm. So just got used to those um, for about 10 years, but then after about 10 years, something in my body just like broke. There came a point where I was doing a new treatment and that in combination with some really acute stress, basically it was like my neurological system and my body kind of just like broke and I started like shaking really bad like having bouts of shaking I lost a bunch of vision I got like very weak and I I mean it was just it was really extreme I started having these facial spasms and at first I started to go to the I went to the doctor because it happened kind of abruptly and at first the doctors thought I had a brain tumor and then they thought spinal tumors and then it was like this isn't the same as before. You know, this is something different. It was much more severe. At its worst, they thought I was, we, we all thought I was dying. They were testing me for everything. I mean, I had so many tests. It was just gnarly. It was like, I had more than 10 MRIs. I had EKGs, EEGs, um, spinal tap, everything. So oh it was like after about a year, I would say a little over a year of just so many tests. They kinda said I had probably about six different doctors that I would see depending on, you know, specialists, but then it they was just sending me around a lot. Like I didn't and I had like only I probably had like three main doctors, but the um the primary neurologist that I saw was specialist and then I did some naturopathic stuff too. But anyway, they kinda just said that I either had late-stage Lyme disease or MS, and then it also eventually, there was like this one particular issue I was having that nobody could make sense of, it was these facial spasms, and I ended up going to see a um, specialist probably about a year after we kind of got the first round of tests done sat down with me after a lot of testing and said they thought what was happening in my face was a rare neurological disorder in the Parkinson's family that was like a dystonia movement disorder that had would primarily affect my face and it made sense of the symptoms I was having and there was no treatment for it it was just like treating the symptoms with like it wasn't even treatment it was like could make it worse but there was no cure And that it had just probably been a combination of genetic factors along with whatever the neurological underlying issue was, whether it was MS or late stage Lyme or something else that they hadn't found yet. I didn't fit a perfect category. So I just had regular testing. And it was just honestly, it was like my worst nightmare. So every day I had spasms in my face. And I just remember when that particular specialist sat me down he said you're gonna go home and you're gonna google this and he's like but i'm recommending that you don't google it but i did google it of course (laughs) because i mean why do you say that if you're not gonna so i i did and he's like and it's gonna it's gonna totally freak you out but you know i want you to just come back and we'll talk about you know options or whatever and i went home and i and i literally thought to myself he doesn't know me. Like I've been sick for many years. By this time, I mean, it had been probably like, gosh, 12 or 13 years that I've struggled with chronic illness. I'd already made peace with like, I've been walking with Jesus the whole time. I had peace and made peace with the fact that my health was not getting better. And once my body began to break more severely, I made peace with dying. Really? I mean, I, that was a trajectory that I was on. I just remember thinking like, I think I could die with dignity, but being crippled was just like a lot harder of a pill to swallow for me, like having real limited capacity and having to be cared for by my husband and children was just really
0: sobering. And that's what you found out when you Googled this, right?
1: Well, even with MS and some of the other things, Lyme, you know, you can have those things happen. But then when I looked up this facial thing I I and how severe it could become it was like it was so severe it was literally like looking at my worst nightmare it was like it had a 50% chance of increasing in your lifetime and should it progress which I already had like signs of it you know I mean I already had facial spasms every day but should it progress it would start my eyes and move down my face into my mouth, which already had started, but then it would it would spread to all the muscles in my face. And it wasn't just like limp, like at first the, the fear was like Bell's palsy, but then this particular disorder, it was like much different than that in that it was like they would, your face would begin spasming out of control where you had no control, but your tongue would go in and out of your mouth, your eyes would be squinting in and out, your jaw would be vibrating, but your brain was still intact. So you just look very, very scary to kids or like very noticeably Mm -hmm. not in control of your face and hard to talk. It would make it hard to talk, hard to eat. And it just was, it was like, I just didn't have a category. I thought, Lord, I thought we talked about this. Like, I felt like I could like, do even like a wheelchair, I could have felt like I could do that with dignity and like lose my hair. I mean, I have I felt like I could lose my hair, and I it was like I was grieved, but like I could make peace with that. But like the idea that my kids couldn't talk to me or would be embarrassed to like it just was such a I didn't know how I could live actually and engage with people, specifically my kids. But in general, with this type of a progressive disease, and it just, it was the first time I would say in all my sickness that I wrestled with God in a way that felt like really honest lament.
0: What do you feel like God said to you in that time? I don't know what the timeline is on that versus when you find out what you're going to share in a little bit. Yeah. But I assume there were at least some months. Where mm-hmm. and you had no idea yeah. that healing was coming, so what no. did God? I'm just curious, like, what do you feel like He said in that wrestling in that place?
1: Well, for me, so it was weird. Is I had like this one day actually that I so I'd been wrestling, so I'd been given this diagnosis, I was wrestling with it, I was mostly stable, although with you know. <laughs> Up and downs, but stable enough that I wasn't like having to go to the hospital constantly or I wasn't bedridden in this season. You know, I had like little bouts where I would have to stay in bed for sure, but not consistently, which was a gift. But I just felt like there was this one day where I had been at the hospital because I had gotten this lump in my, in in a weird area and, I'd had a bunch of tests done on it and it turned black. And like the fear was like lymphoma on top of everything else. And I'd already had like a bunch of scans and there was disagreement on like if it was a lymph node or if it could be something else. But the placement was really weird. Mm. And I had gone to the hospital to get this test and I had just had a mammogram the Monday before. And I got home from the hospital from having just like a um, ultrasound And on this lump and um, I got a phone call from the hospital and they said, hi, is this Tammy Comer?" And I was like, yeah. And and then they said, I'm so sorry to give you this news, but I need you to we need to schedule for you to come in for an ultrasound to um, follow up on something that they found. And I said, oh, I think you're mistaken. I was already there. I like did the ultrasound this morning. You're mistaken. They said, no, this isn't for that part of you this is actually for the mammogram that you just had
0: oh my god and they're
1: like we had found something so we want you to come back in and you know have some scans it'll take three hours whatever and i just remember i hung up the phone and i was sitting on my back deck i had been having i've been praying on the back deck having quiet time with god and i just like burst into tears and I at that time I was not a big crier since then I cry a lot more and I just it was like in that moment I called my sister-in-law who's like really acquainted with grief she lost a daughter and has gone through a lot of suffering and then talked to her for maybe a few minutes then hung up the phone and just sat And I remember sitting on my back deck and having this memory of earlier that same exact morning. I was praying in my bed, actually, and reading my Bible. And I just remember feeling like God spoke to my heart to put down my Bible and to just, like, listen. And so I did. I I put down my Bible And in my mind, there came an image and it was of me leaning back on Jesus's chest. And I just remember seeing this picture in my mind and feeling his spirit remind me of the scripture, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. And so that was like my morning quiet time. You know, and I just thought, oh, wow, that's cool. It was a cool picture. So later in the day when I'm on the deck, you know, I was on my back deck. I probably had lunch or something. I don't really remember. It was, I feel like it was still not too late in the day. But um, I was just sitting out there kind of processing and thinking and praying when I got that phone call. And right after I was done crying, I remembered what I felt like the spirit had spoken to my heart earlier that day and it was like something in my heart in my person my inner like soul it shifted it was almost like it reminded me of the story of when King David he sins and Bathsheba is pregnant if you know that story and it talks about how She's going to like the baby, she has this baby and the baby is going to die. And she, he is fasting and praying and he's wrestling and wrestling with God asking him to spare this child and the servants who are in the background in the story say, gosh, if he's so upset now, what will happen to him? If he die, if the baby dies, he's going to lose it. Mm -hmm. And the baby does die, which is so sad. But it says that David got up, he washed his face, and then he sat down to eat. And it was almost like in that moment for me of, like, that phone call, I think it just it felt like too much. It was almost like the death of trying to control my situation is what I felt like it was because breast cancer ran on my mom's side of the family. My, <laughs> It was just, like, very heavily already in our family. It was, like, all the, the bad ones, you know, like, just... You're just like, oh, goodness, like now they're testing me for this and, you know, this possibility on top of it. Like I couldn't and I was already trying to like wrestle through the face thing. And I just felt like in that moment I relinquished control. It was like God's peace. It was like he gave me his peace and it was like I wasn't he just wanted me to, to lean on him. And I just felt like. I got up, washed my face, and made peace. And something from that point on in my journey, which it was still a good probably at least two years before I was experienced healing, shifted. I just, everything was different. It was like, I would say, I came to peace with the God who I trusted. It was like I learned to trust him in my suffering and in my death just deep disappointment. Honestly, it was like just the most disappointing experience that I just was getting worse and worse. And there was really not a light on at the end of the tunnel, as far as my that any kind of diagnosis was concerned. And there definitely was a trajectory of getting worse, not better, but then also of grief. And then learning that it was almost like I had grace for the day and just kind of knew that should my facial spasm stuff begin to progress again, I would have to reorient and wrestle with God again, but that I would choose to trust him and that I had peace in the now, like I would be present to the now. And I felt such like, it was like being held by God. I just really felt loved by him and seen by him. And I just stopped wrestling. It was like, you know, there's a story I forget that comes to my mind that my husband told me once, and I'm probably going to totally butcher it. But but he, he told me of, it was about these this monk who came into the, an older monk. It was like a young monk who was quite ambitious to become a very, very good monk. And he was just, came to this old monk who was sitting in his office and quiet. And this young monk said, Father, do you still wrestle with the devil? And the father said, oh, no, I grew tired of wrestling with him, and he grew tired of wrestling with me. I no longer wrestle with him anymore, son. I wrestle now with God. And he goes, you wrestle with God? How could you wrestle with God and hope to win? And he said, Oh, son, I don't wrestle with God and hope to win. I hope to lose. And I think for me, that it was like in my losing control, I became at peace with the one who held my life holy and I trusted him. So it was like losing was the best relief because I never had control
0: anyway. I just yeah. thought I did. Yeah. Okay. That's profound. I have a, I have a question for you because this is so spot on with mm-hmm. something I'm going through in my own life where I feel like I have wrestled with God over and over and found all this nuance and nuance like we talk about, which is great and like been disillusioned, but then God takes you deeper in love because you do wrestle with him and then you do walk away with a limp. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard it put like that about how losing a wrestle with God is, is a The best thing that can happen to you. But I was recently reading, um, so there's a translation of Jeremiah where he's talking and he's just, you know, Jeremiah got all this stuff put on him that he had to to say for God, the weeping prophet. And, you know, just, he's really honest with God, but pretty disillusioned. And like, come on, God, like this is disappointing. This is Mm. hard. And God kind of just puts him in his place. And he's, he said, well, if you can't run the foot race right now, what makes you think that you can run with the horses? And Mm. I felt like that was kind of the slap in the face to me from God where I kind of have this word in my life that I might find out soon if it's accurate or it's like, man, this just might be another disappointment. It might be another thing where nuance and like, okay, I'll wrestle Mm. with you for like 20 more years or maybe I won't understand this side of heaven. And I'm like, God, I just want something that is just like face value. You know, like I thought that's what you said and it's what you said. Like I've Mm. done the whole, I thought it's what you said. And no, there's more nuance and no, it's actually 10 years later Mm -hmm. and... I just want something, and I felt like God was kind of like, put me in my place, like, Mm. so you don't think that you have the perseverance enough that the Holy Spirit can enable you to wrestle again, and I'm like, Mm. oh, like, so my question to you is, like, did you ever, maybe we're different personalities, but, like, fear the wrestling again, you're like, okay, well, because it's going to come, you know, whether in that (laughs) part of your life or another part, have you Mm -hmm. found a place where you enjoy the wrestling because like wrestling is taxing right like it's hard Mm -hmm. no matter what and losing wrestling can be beautiful but it's Mm -hmm. really hard so what do you do in that place knowing more wrestling is coming you told me and we don't need to talk about what but like you were you're wrestling with something right now Mm -hmm. like so what Mm -hmm. do we do when we know more wrestling is coming do we fear it do we embrace it can we get to a place where we enjoy it or ask for it like what do we do Mm -hmm. with that
1: Well, okay, what I can tell you is that I was sick for 15 years. The last five were more, you know, more acute, but my struggle was 15 years. And I would say that the lesson for me that has been profound to learn that I feel like I'm now I feel like I can put language to it that I feel like goes with the question is, well, I think a few things. One is I think God's timetable is way different than ours. I think often Mm -hmm. we're in a hurry to get our answers and God is very much like he wants to be God. We're always, I feel like we're always after the thing. It was like, can we just get better so then we can live? Can we have relief from this issue so then we can have this, you know, whatever so that we can do the next thing our life would be so much better if this happened but like as somebody who like you know spoiler alert god radically Mm -hmm. healed after 15 years of illness and i never saw it coming i didn't even ask it just was like this wild unexpected story what i would say is everybody's looking for that like my life is so radically different than it was But you still have to wrestle. Mm -hmm. If you are sick and you wrestle, there is this like sufferings of Christ in your body, thorn in the flesh. I mean, different, different, like these ways in which your character is formed through suffering that I think has such deep value in the kingdom of God that most people are totally unaware of. And God is never just after healing the one part that you think is inhibiting from you living a life abundant. He, I believe, is actually using that to bring about more of whatever, like it was through my suffering, I met God profoundly in my in the dark place that I just told you. And in his generosity, he healed me, which was wild story, but it's the same God in both. And the process by which I arrived there, it wasn't like once I arrived, all my problems were gone. Mm-hmm. Yes, it like profoundly shifted it. But there's these other deaths to our idealism that continue regardless of whether or not you have physical relief from your suffering. Though not to undermine that physical suffering is deeply heart-wrenching because it really inhibits your freedom and it diminishes the felt experience of joy often because of chronic pain or ailments and that is in and of itself a deep grief so not to undermine that but I guess what I would just say is like I think my if I were to the best way I could describe it is I think our invitation when we follow Jesus is to trust And trust not based on what we see or experience or know, but trust on the character of God and who we believe him to be. And that trust for me, I always have the same picture in my mind when I think of this. It's like standing on a mountaintop that's been cut off at the top. It's almost like a flat plateau, but where you have no walls around you, where there's just like so much space in the sense of like we don't understand what's happening around us, but our feet are secure. We stand on trust based on the character of God, even when understanding is totally, we're in the dark. I guess I would say, I don't know that I wrestle, and I definitely don't think I wrestle in the same way. I feel like I have learned to trust in the dark. Like that scripture, I love that scripture where it says, surely, even if I say, surely the darkness will hide me. And the light will be like night around me. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The darkness will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. And I just think trust is the foundation, not understanding of our walk with God in suffering. And so wrestling is the natural part of building trust. But in time, through my story, I think I'm getting to the spot, not perfectly by any means but where I wrestle less because I feel really grounded in my trust, even when I'm in the dark still. If I'm totally honest, like those first 10 years and the beginning humiliations around like the sickness when it got more severe, some of the things, because this is a podcast on health stuff, I'm assuming a lot of the people listening probably have this stuff, but like some of like the the humiliations of like I mean I was having accidents I was just it was just these things that I just I remember like just so much aversion I was like a young woman with children like younger children married to a man who was well known in our circle as you know this handsome leader and here I was afraid to sometimes go out to leave because I had it was struggling with my gosh incontinent stuff it's just was like so humiliating but idealism and denial is not where God meets us he meets us in the reality of like what is actually happening in our life and in our disappointment and it takes us coming to a space where we're honest about all of that with him because I do think that like idealism can crush the joy of our reality even if our reality is one that is different than our idealized version of it, or it's very disappointing because it's never what we wanted. But there is joy in the present reality, even while suffering is present. If we have the courage to look at what is and not look away, that is where I feel like God meets us. He meets us right at our breaking point or at just like the honest grief around the disappointment that our life isn't what we hoped it would be or thought it would be yeah and in that place there's life and joy even while you have suffering and disappointment but it can't come if you deny it like and I d- are in denial or well you know silver linings that was me I was just always like just it's not so bad it's not so bad I'm just not going to talk about it I'll just ignore it but just it wasn't honest.
0: Yeah. So being honest, but doing the wrestling, but it, through the wrestling it's not about the outcome, it's not about getting the blessing, right? We say wrestle with God so that you'll get the blessing like mm-hmm. Jacob. But really it's it's about wrestling with God so that you trust God so that you know God. Our our outcome is messed up, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I would say wrestle with God
1: because you when you lose you will see that he's good. And he's trustworthy. Mm. But I think we wrestle from the blessing now. Like, Jesus, after Jesus came, I just think it's this cool idea that, like, I think we wrestle for the blessing, Mm -hmm. but the blessing is intimacy. Yeah. Yeah, it's presence. It's like the intimate knowledge of being like having your walk shifted, walking with a limp is a reminder that you wrestled, yes, but it reminds you that he touched you. At the same time, I do think this is like something that I've thought about for actually years now. I love this idea, and this is, I, I am convinced that this is true, that all of our suffering, this side of the age to come, this side of before we die and before we meet Jesus face to face, that nothing that we suffer, including physical suffering, this side of the age to come is wasted When we are in relationship and continually releasing those places to Jesus, our suffering and what it builds in our, not just our character, but our experiences and our capacity to love. I just think suffering is the catalyst. It's like the currency of the kingdom. Hmm. It's like how Jesus suffered and he was a savior of the world and there was like injustice and grief and so much sorrow that he suffered for us i think that one of the ways that god one of the greatest catalysts for the spiritual journey to meet god in is through suffering i'm convinced of that and i believe that all suffering when in submission to god has the capacity to follow us into the age to come when there's no more pain and stuff connected to it. But you are becoming something like we are in, are in the process of becoming who we really are. And that's like there's a term in theology called eschatological realism. And then that's what it means. You're in the process of becoming who you really are. It's a big word and it's kind of weird, but it's it's this idea that our, God sees you from beginning to end, like who you will be in the age to come, who you'll be on. You know, once he returns, once he's, once you're with him, totally, completely redeemed and, um, you know, made new, and that he identifies you from who you are there, like that future version of you in the age to come, rather than who you are right now, and that you're in the process of becoming that person. So as you say yes to him through suffering and even like on the journey of gratitude in the good things and like, experience and like presence and all these things as you're becoming that those things actually follow you into eternity Mm -hmm. like they're not wasted they have the capacity to not be wasted and I feel like that is a narrative that so many of us lived in live in or lived in in my case where I just thought like man my life is a waste like what am I I can't do all the things I thought I was supposed to do I can't Be Mm -hmm. as good of a mom because I'm not. My brain was seriously inhibited by a lot of the issues of my health. Like I couldn't think right. I had like early signs of dementia. Like I couldn't remember. I like had big old chunks of my, my my memory that were totally not right. So yeah, I guess I just say like I have so much respect for people who have chronic illness because. It's a hard road, but I just think that God is proud of you for like doing just the next each day and choosing to live. There's an honoring of God with intention that takes a willpower that's based not on entitlement, but it's based on agency. It's a choice to choose life when you feel disheartened or discouraged or sick or sad that i think builds this really resilient beautiful intimacy and trust with
0: god if you allow it to pretty good right well if you think that is good it gets even better because yes god heals us all in the way that brings him the most glory and in the way that brings us closest to him And the way that he chose to heal Tammy in his grace is incredible. So you want to hear it, meet us back here next Monday for the rest of Tammy's story. We'll see you here then.